This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. FBI agents and local police have been carrying out a nationwide sweep since last week to rescue children. It involves FBI field offices from all 50 states. Jeff Pegues received access to the operation, and you will see this only on CBS This Morning. He's at FBI headquarters in Washington. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. It's called Operation Cross Country, and so far this year, 84 children have been recovered and 120 alleged traffickers arrested. They've been focusing on Baltimore, but investigators say this epidemic touches communities everywhere across America. On a recent night just north of Baltimore, an FBI agent we have agreed to identify only as Wynn is looking for young girls caught up in sex trafficking. Hey, is this Candy? Hey, I want to see if you had any time tonight for me. Maryland State Police Corporal Chris Hyde uses his phone to scroll through dating sites looking for suspicious ads. It is a coast-to-coast effort that has FBI agents and local police working together to make arrests and recover victims. According to the FBI, since the initiative began in 2003, more than 6,500 children have been recovered and more than 2,500 people convicted for trafficking-related crimes. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, where your security matters most. I'm Paul Violis, and this is a CBS News radio production. I uh, want to thank everybody uh, hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Really, really appreciate all the great comments, as always. Uh, very grateful for the very flattering and humbling reviews. Anybody who's interested can go to cbsaudio.com, go to the Security Matters page, and you can leave a review. Uh, and remember, you can also email me. If you want to have more of a direct conversation, you can email me at violas.com. Uh, we've been getting from each show several hundred from each show, uh, I, I read, read, I do read every single one of them, and I will respond. Sometimes, listen, by the grace of God, this is going real well, and the show is growing, and that's fantastic, and with that, we get a lot more, so if it takes me a little bit longer to, to get back, I will, but I will definitely get back to everybody, uh, so a, a great big thank you on that. I want to give a, a quick shout out to, to my friends at Home Depot, and, and the reason I'm saying that is not just because we work together, but... <laughs> I had a real guy moment today. Um, uh, I, I had to go to uh, to Home Depot to, to pick up something. So the reality of it is we all know you can't go there and just get one thing. So I walk in and a really, really nice young man comes up to me. He's a member of their, their MET team, M-E-T. So a big shout out to Home Depot's MET team. And of course he says, you know, real nicely, sir, would you like, a, you know, would you like a cart? And I say, well, no, I'm good. I'm good, right? The, the guy thing, right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to carry 40 items in, in my arms, which makes sense. Because, again, you go to pick up one thing, you get 10. So then I'm, 
can't find it, so I'm, now I'm frustrated. So I go to this very nice young lady, very, very nice young lady, and, and I said to her, I said, look, you know, this is what I'm looking for, you know, and I know you guys said it was down this, this aisle, and for the life of me, I, I can't, I have no idea where in the world this thing is. I mean, you said it's down here. So, um, of course, feeling like an idiot right now, she walks very politely, and her name is Rachel, so Rachel, thank you very much, and she just points to exactly where I was standing, like I didn't feel like an idiot, but she was very gracious about it, so thank you, Rachel, for not making me feel stupid, uh, and, and, and guys, listen, when you go shopping, get a cart, really, just, just, just get a cart, believe me, don't look stupid like I did. Today, uh, a very humbling, a very sobering subject, one that you've heard me talk about before, one that you will hear me talk about again, uh, one that we uh, are dedicated to working with and, and to doing everything we possibly can to eradicate this. I'm talking about the crime of sex trafficking, and today we're going to be talking about the organization that's making a world of difference in that area. I'm talking about the Safe House Project. You're going to learn a lot about that today. The importance of that is not just the education on what this extraordinary organization is doing, um, but how they're impacting this horrific crime globally. Now, just think about this for a second. The trafficking of women and children is the world's fastest growing crime. People keep talking about, yeah, cybercrime, cybercrime. Yeah, I know it, you know, and we cover it, and I get it, and it's happening a lot. Trafficking of women and children is the world's fastest growing crime. It's affecting the global community. It's in epidemic proportions. It's generating just about a hundred billion with a B dollars a year. A hundred billion. Seventy-one percent of victims, women and girls. Does it happen here in the United States? No question. And fifty percent at a minimum are sexually exploited. There's an estimated 24.9 million people trapped in forced labor via human trafficking worldwide. This, ladies and gentlemen, is an epidemic. It is something when you think about slavery, you don't think 2019 going into 2020, but rest assured, it's alive and well. And it's something that our guest today is going to share with us what her spectacular organization, the Safe House Project, is doing to eradicate this, I'm talking about um, Brittany Dunn. Brittany is the Chief Development Officer at the Safe House Project. I want to tell you a little bit about Brittany. She, prior to joining Safe House, uh, Brittany spent 10 years in international business development at CareerBuilder.com, working around the world. Just goes to show the, the depth of the heart of this woman. Uh, Brittany has a BA in economics and English from the famed Wellesley College, which got right off the bat tells you how smart this woman is because... Wellesley, and then economics and English. Jeez, I'm, I can only imagine what a great writer she is. She has an MBA and graduated top of her class from the famed Thunderbird School of Global Management. And the best way that she describes herself, the way she describes herself, perhaps one of the best ways I've ever heard, I've ever read uh, in my 40-year career, she is a military spouse, mother of two, continual learner, world traveler, and protector of the vulnerable. I think she's a spectacular person already. Brittany, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Brittany, I want to dive, I want to dive right into this, this subject. Let's talk about the problem, right? Let's start with that. Tell us about the problem. Tell us about the issue. Tell us about this horrible issue of sex trafficking. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, the reality is is that um, human trafficking was just outlawed in the United States in 2000. And so a lot of the data around human trafficking and more specifically sex trafficking is still coming into view. When we founded the organization in 2018, um, FBI, International Labor Organization, estimated that 300,000 American children were being sex trafficked in the United States. And that just represents a fraction of the people that are impacted when you include adults or if you look at it on a global scale. And so really what we see, as you mentioned earlier in your intro, is that this is a global epidemic that has woven itself into the fabric of our communities. Now, let's, let's put this exactly where it needs to be, right? We understand yep. just how women are being targeted, right? Um, and when you start talking about, I mean, for God's sakes, Brittany, we start talking about $100 billion a year, women being sold. I mean, how could this be happening in 2019, doesn't that, I mean, for someone like you, after all you do, doesn't, the, doesn't that make you scratch your head every once in a while and say, how is this happening? It does at the high level, but once you start to unpack it and really understand this issue, I think it is one that shows that what we're seeing is that this is the next phase in sexual violence. Um, as time and technology progresses, we are seeing that the continuum of sexual violence is evolving. And so what was sexual abuse two decades ago is now being recorded and distributed online for financial gain. And whenever a child is used for commercial sex, whether that is child pornography or prostitution, it is considered sex trafficking. And so I think at that basic level, if we can understand where it intersects our society and where it is um, continuing what has always been a systemic issue in our communities, it becomes a little bit more believable, honestly. Let's, let me ask you a question. You started bringing up children, and, and I've got to ask you this because this is mm -hmm. something I think we all need to really learn more about. Um, and it's something that we've heard discussed in the media of late, and that is um, children being able to marry, and then oftentimes young girls being forced to marry, even being forced to marry those that have sexually assaulted them. Uh, is this an issue, and if so, to what extent? Absolutely, it is an issue, and many of our states still allow for child marriage laws. What that allows is for a child to be wedded to the person or their perpetrator. And when we find that 40% of the survivors that we work with have been trafficked by a family member or a close relationship, they will cover up that victimization by forcing that child to marry at a very young age. Just the other day, um, we had one uh, case come to us of a mom who was upset that her nine-year-old was not pregnant yet with the man that she intended for that girl to marry. Wait, back up on and that And just one. continuing that. Nine-year-old? Yes. A nine-year-old. A nine-year-old. Nine-year-old. Yes. And this woman yes. is not getting locked up for something? Oh, I'm, don't worry. She has been reported to authorities, and that case is in process. But it just oh goes to God. show 
that these issues are beginning to affect younger and younger. Currently, um, we see victims, we've seen victims as young as two years old, but the average age of entry into the commercial sex market is 12 years old in the United States. Average age. Average age. Now, average age. You, you know, and I know you're going to shed some light on this, Brittany, but a lot of people feel that um, this is an issue everywhere but the United States. Would you mind shedding some light on that, please? Yes. I think that the reason it is easy to understand the issue overseas is because it is more overt. You travel into, you know, Asia or into parts of Europe, and you have red light districts. And so it is a flashing sign that this is where prostitution is happening. We don't have that as clearly in the United States. And so it looks different. But in 2018, Department of State named the United States one of the top three nations in the entire world for human trafficking. And Americans are the number one consumer of human trafficking in the world. Okay, we need to go there for a second. Americans are the number one. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let me step back. The U.S. is in the top three in the world in human trafficking. Yes. Did I hear that correctly? Okay. Yes. So for all of our listeners. They are Mexico. Please, go ahead. Mexico, the Philippines, and the United States are the top three nations in 2018 for human trafficking. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, as much as we want to continue to be world leaders, this is one subject we don't want to be leading in. In fact, we don't want to be mentioned in this subject yet. We're right behind Mexico and the Philippines. Um, now, as a quick sidebar, for those of you that, that, have, that know my history in Brittany, I, I've worked cases like this and have been blessed and fortunate mm -hmm. enough to, to bring individuals back to their families after they've been trafficked or, or out of situations like this. Um, it's yeah. so important for you to kind of touch on the last point too, and that is as far as Americans being the number one consumer of human trafficking. Can please tell us more about that? Yes. Yeah. Really, um, human trafficking is fueled by a supply and demand issue. If there was not a demand for women and children to be sold for sex or labor, then we wouldn't have this industry continuing to grow at the rapid pace. Um, unfortunately, Americans tend to be um, have the ability and the availability, really, to travel globally and consume it. And so whether it's um, sex tourism abroad or it is purchasing Americans here in their own backyard, we have to understand that this is something that is driven by the demand of our country. Capitalism. I have the money, I can buy it, and even if it means I'm buying a human being, even if it means I'm buying a child, even if it means I'm buying a nine-year-old girl. Yep. Tragically. One of the things, one of the things too, that I want to lay out here is, and, and uh, I'm sure a lot of you have heard me mention this before on air, um, but I'll say it again right now because it really comes to light here, especially in, in, in light of what Brittany's saying, is that don't be fooled by the demographic of the individual that's involved in this. A lot of people think, and you hear these, these things that Brittany and I are talking about as far as human trafficking and sex trafficking and 
But don't be fooled to think that this is just all men because there are women traffickers. And don't be fooled to think that this is some decrepit looking, you know, guy with, with no teeth and a dark hat and coat and lives in the slums. Uh, very, very, very wealthy, the ultra wealthy are involved in this as well. True or false, Brittany, on that one? Oh, absolutely true. Some of the most um, unsuspecting individuals are going to be those that are responsible for trafficking in their community because they can hide in plain sight. And so when they have access and they have the ability to kind of go unnoticed, then it allows it to continue to grow. Um, I think we've seen that even just in recent news cases, that it continues to progress and the individuals involved, um, you know, can look like anybody. I've seen it be even down to other kids who are trafficking their peers. It looks so many different ways. There are 25 unique um, business models for human trafficking in the United States alone. 25 different business models. Yeah. And that leads me to the next question. Tell us now about Safe House Project. Uh, tell us about your colleagues, a little bit how it was formed, and more importantly right now, tell us about what Safe House Project is doing on this particular subject. Absolutely. Safe House Project was founded in 2018 by a group of military families really responding to a need that we have seen living all over the world and in, throughout the United States to serve and empower survivors of child sex trafficking. When we started the beginning of 2018, we were responding to a gap in services for those victims that are identified. Out of the 300,000 American children that we believe are trafficked every year in the United States, only 1% are ever identified. But even more tragically, even when our law enforcement is able to rescue one of these kids or they escape, there, at the beginning of 2018, there were only 100 beds for these children in a safe house in the entire United States. That's horrible. And why is that? A huge part of that is because, one, I think there is a belief that they have a place to go. And we have to understand that a juvenile detention center or a mental institution or even foster care families who have not been equipped to respond to the unique trauma that these kids have endured, that's not a place where those children usually will end up starting their healing journey or ever be able to thrive. And these kids really need a unique individualized care program that meets them where they're at. Our safe houses are usually a minimum of 12 months long and can extend up to two to three years, depending on the trauma that that child has endured, because we're not working just to overcome the victimization itself, but loss of education, years of not knowing how to engage with other people in their even non-perpetrating individuals. So we're teaching them life skills. We're helping them re, um, find their self-worth and their identity through different therapies and different modalities because these kids will have repressed memories. Oh my they God, will have yeah. triggers that they don't know are triggers until they start on that path right. of healing. And so they really need somebody to walk alongside them and remind them of their strengths 
And that is what a safe house offers. Now, you are all about the survivor's healing journey. And Safe House Project prescribes to a certain formula, escape, restore, empowerment. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So what we really are looking to do and what we do with so many partners throughout the United States is we're working to accelerate safe house development. So in 2019, we've already added 32 new beds to that uh, national landscape. We work with partners to help to increase awareness and education, to increase victim identification, to help create trauma-informed communities that can help recognize kids that might be um, victimized within their community or protect those who are vulnerable. Then we work within the safe houses, whether it's somewhere in that continuum, they can be emergency safe houses, long-term restorative care homes, or a transitional home to ensure that that child has a path forward. And then ultimately, our goal is not to just see a survivor make it through. We truly want to see them thrive. So we want to see that when they come out of a restorative care home, that they have the opportunity to, um, you know, pursue educational goals. Or if they want to go and be a small business owner, that they're equipped to understand how to start their small business. Because it's ultimately economic empowerment and that feeling of worth that will allow them to be successful for the long term. Now, how can people learn more about Safe House Project? And more importantly, how can they assist in the continued growth of this phenomenal organization? Yes. Well, of course, to accelerate Safe House development, we are always looking for donors and um, volunteers. We have a lot of different events that we do throughout the country, and we want to make these organizations that we are working to launch locally sustainable. And so we have partners throughout the United States that we want to equip with really, you know, powerful and wonderful volunteers and donors within their community to give them that long-term sustainability. Um, to learn more, you can visit safehouseproject.org. That's safehouseproject.org. And if people want to donate, they, the information is on the website. It is. It's safehouseproject.org slash donate. And as far as the education, will you also, when you, when you put on functions, teach people the signs to look for uh, what may, what, if, if there's someone in their community that, that may currently being trafficked uh, and what they should do about it? Absolutely. We have trained over um, almost 10,000 people in person this year on human trafficking, on the signs and indicators, um, including many, many members of our military community, which has been great because we know that they are going all over the world. And so they can step in wherever they are to be um, of assistance. We, um, we rely heavily on education and awareness to equip the community to respond. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to just tell you this right now, um, Brittany, and this clearly wasn't rehearsed, but um, if you feel that you would ever want to collaborate and, and hold a public event with us, I would be honored to, to work with you on that, and we could bring the power of the CBS News Radio brand to bear 
and try to get as many people as there as possible to uh, to speak on this, to educate communities, and to help generate as much continued revenue as possible. So if that's something you would ever want to do, I'm telling you right now, uh, count me all in. That would be fantastic. I look forward to that partnership. Well, then we will. you have my word, and we'll, I will make sure that we follow up with you within the next day or so about how we can make that happen because uh, what I will tell you in some before, before we break here is what you are doing is, is truly a godsend to this world. For those of you that have never seen this, I hope that you never see it. But there are good people that do bad things. There are just genuinely bad people. And then there are those that participate in sex trafficking and those are evil people. And most people will live their entire life without ever looking evil, true evil in the face. But for those of us that have, you never forget that. What, what Brittany and her colleagues at Safe House Project are doing is they're eradicating that. And I can't think of anything else that is more important for those of you that really wish to do good in this world than to support a project like Safe House Project and, and Brittany and her colleagues. Uh, so, uh, Brittany, continued Godspeed. What you're doing is a blessing. Clearly, God's work, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful work. And um, you have my commitment, and I will make sure that someone follows up the, that because we'd love to work with you on this. We want to do everything we can uh, to, to promote what you're doing. So thank you on behalf of everybody here at CBS News Radio. Um, and, uh, and certainly our, our team at Security Matters want to thank you and everyone at Safe House Project. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We'll finish up today. And we will be leaving all of Safe House Project's information up on the Security Matters page at CBS Audio as well as uh, at Violas.com. And you'll be hearing more about this in the, coming, in the, in the days and, and weeks to come. Stay with me. We're going to take a quick break. Back in Baltimore, Wynn and his team have set up a date in a hotel room and find a prostitute who took to the streets in her mid-teens. You were 16? And how did that happen? I don't even know. Like, I just started, like, doing it because there wasn't no money, like, anywhere. Time and time again, she has survived. I've been through a lot. Held at gunpoint. I've been raped. I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. For this now 24-year-old woman, an opportunity for a new life. Take your ride down, maybe purchase a plane ticket, and, and head back home and consider this being one of your last days. Okay. When investigators recover children, they work with Child Protective Services to find them a safe place to live while putting the people who victimize them behind bars. Now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas. And I meant what I said, and you're going to be hearing that coming up from us in the future, in the very, very near future. Uh, just a tremendous group of professionals that have built something that, um, let me just put it this way. You know, I, I hope and pray that, that everyone listening to this never experiences this firsthand. But for, for these ladies to, to collaborate, to form a team, to, to dive deep into that, that just horrific, doesn't even cover it, world, and emerge by shedding such so much light and so much hope. Um, that's just, it's an amazing, an amazing thing. So uh, please visit, I implore you, please visit safehouseproject.org. 
Um, whatever you can do to help them out, whatever you can do to join in, whatever you can do to further their cause, do because I can I can assure you, you'll be hearing a lot coming from us because we certainly will, and I'm going to pony up to the table real quick. Tremendous. So uh, please take a look at that. On behalf of everybody here at CBS News Radio, and uh, and certainly Security Matters. Thank you for listening today. And remember, also, go to cbsaudio.com. There's some great podcasts there um, and some great shows that, that uh, uh, I think you'd love. So check that out as well. And we always appreciate your comments on, on, on social media. And if you get a couple of minutes, hit us up at cbsaudio.com at the Security Matters page and leave us a review. So on behalf of everybody here, have a great, great week. Be safe, be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.